Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome to episode three of the Millennial Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Ellis, and today is going to be a really good show. Um, We are going to be talking about mental health, um, mental health hygiene, and I'm going to be talking to one of my absolute favorite people, Ashley Freeman. She is the Wonder Woman behind the Don't Die Afraid Twitter account. Um, I actually, I don't even remember how I met her. I think I met her in one of Melissa Griffin's um, Twitter chats called Nectar Chat or hashtag Nectar Chat. I cannot talk today. But um, I met her. She does um, weekly mental health check-ins where she'll tweet a handful of us and um, she'll see how we're doing, you know, and it's such a refreshing experience, especially online and in social media, because, you know, I actually get to kind of sit back and take a breath and, you know, do some self-reflection, you know, how am, how am I feeling today? Um, you know, what am I going through? What am I experiencing? So I really appreciate her for that. And for those of you who don't know, I am really passionate about mental health. And I knew that I had to have her on the show. She um, is such a strong person. She's such an inspirational person. And I know you guys are going to love her. So before we get into the interview, let's do some girl chat. So... This week, you know, normally I'll do, oh, here are some of the things that I'm loving. Here are some of the things that I hate. But, y'all, I'm kind of boring. And last week I had two exams back to back. So last week I was loving sleep. (laughs) If I'm being completely honest, I was just loving my sleep. But Um, This past weekend was the big Aries moon. So, you know, a couple of my girlfriends and I from school, we went out to Ocean Beach in San Diego and sat out on the bay and um, watched the moon and just kind of talked about kind of all the things that we've been struggling with or dealing with. And what we hope this new phase of the moon um, will bring into our lives and kind of help us straighten our issues out. And it was such a wonderful experience. Um, This whole medical school journey has been a fantastic experience. So um, if you guys want to know more about the Aries moon that just happened... Um, I will leave some links in the show notes if you like that kind of stuff. And um, I'm actually thinking about getting an astrologer on um, to kind of talk about astrology and the moons and stars and, you know, how that may play a role in in our lives and in our health. So in honor of it being a mental health type of episode, I wanted to kind of talk about my favorite mental health resources. So um, my, like, Shiro, my leak teal, she is so amazing. 
If you guys love podcasts, make sure you listen to her podcast, My Taught You. She's just amazing. She is upfront, outspoken. She is my favorite person on Snapchat, too. Um, she's just amazing. And she's the founder of Curlbox. So she's a girl boss, too. But she shared on Twitter a couple months ago a link to a greatest article that talked about the 81 resources to use when you can't afford therapy. And um, it's such an exhaustive list, but it is so helpful because, you know, a lot of us may not have access to proper mental health care and, you know, therapy. Therapy is really expensive. And had it not been for me going to a tier one university, you know, I don't know if I would have access to the quality therapists that I did. So um, if you are interested in some really affordable and in some cases even free resources, um, mental health resources, when you can't afford a therapist, that link will be in the show notes as well. I think you will definitely love it. It's full of books and videos and apps, um, really anything that you can think of you'll find there. And um, I also wanted to kind of talk about my own mental health story. You know, growing up, I really didn't think about mental health a lot. You know, I wasn't a depressed child. Um, Looking back on it, I definitely um, suffered from a bit of anxiety but it wasn't debilitating. So my first real experience um, with mental health hygiene was um, in college. It was my fourth out out of five years. I double majored at Georgia State University. And by the time that fifth year came around, I was unraveling at both ends. I was sad all the time. I was crying. I was super stressed. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Um, you know, I had these two degrees, but didn't feel qualified to do take a job and, you know, jump into the workforce. It was just a mess. And um, I was really struggling with depression. So fortunately at Georgia State, they had a really amazing Um, mental health department. And so uh, my first experience with meditation was in the meditation room at the um, counseling center. And it was this super quiet room with dimmed lights and it had different like meditation CDs you can choose from. And this super comfortable um, (laughs) massage chair And I would go in there like multiple times a week before a test, after test. And I would just kind of zen out, relax. And it was really helpful. It was really helpful. And I did my best to kind of do that a lot at home. But I mean, it didn't really translate. But that was my first experience in like stress management, dealing with anxiety and dealing with depression. And then I 
went to graduate school in Chicago. And that's when all hell broke loose. Like, I was struggling with school. I hated it. I didn't want to be there. My boss was not the nicest person. Um, I was super depressed. And there was a point. It was um, either Valentine's Day or the day after Valentine's Day. Um, But I wanted to kill myself. You know, I was contemplating suicide. And I didn't um, act on it. But it scared the shit out of me. I was just like, okay, I, I can't live life like this. I cannot go through this anymore. And so um, my now husband suggested that I go to therapy. And, you know, he's like, Sarah, you're really dealing with a lot of self-hate issues. And I was like, uh, no, boo. Okay, I love myself. I'm amazing, I'm smart, I'm this, I'm that, and I just was hard-headed and stubborn, and I just wasn't trying to hear all that. So um, we ended up agreeing to go to couples counseling, and it was during those sessions that I realized, like, look, I've got some issues that I need to work out on my own. Um, so I finally went into individual counseling sessions and that was the best decision I have ever made in my life um my therapist Jeanette she she saved me you know she uh told me about a self-compassion workshop and um I remember one of the assignments they had us um kind of write down some of the negative things that we say to ourselves over the course of the day And then it said, how would you feel if someone said those things to your child or someone that you cared about? You know, how would that make you feel? And I was pissed. You know, I was like, if I ever catch somebody talking to my kid like that, that's a wrap. We're going to have some problems. And then it kind of dawned on me, like, okay, well, if you don't want anyone talking to you like, or to your kid like that, why is it okay for you to talk to yourself like that? And so I really had to make a concerted effort to be nice to myself and to catch myself whenever I would say, oh, Sarah, you're so stupid. You should know that. It's like, all right, pump them brakes, girl. Okay. One, it's never that serious. Two, be nice to yourself. You know, you're not perfect. You make mistakes. Life goes on. It's never that serious. So um, it has been a daily battle. I'm not going to sit here in front and say, oh, girl, I only did that for a little while. And then, you know, I finally got my life together. Yeah, no, that's not at all how it goes. It's a daily battle. It's a daily struggle. But every day that I wake up is a day that I can keep going it's a day where I can make my actions and my conversations with myself nicer than yesterday so um I just kind of wanted to share my experience with mental health and mental hygiene um kind of 
my routine and what I do. So I journal a lot. I am, I just started um, naturopathic medical school, as you guys are probably tired of me talking about. But we have an amazing therapist um, on our faculty. So I'm signing up to, to do some of the sessions with her. And what I'm finding is that a lot of our classes are like mini therapy sessions. We have a class called Therapeutic Alliance, and our homework questions are so emotionally exhausting, you know, but it's a good exercise into um, having emotional intelligence, being able to identify exactly how you're feeling, um, what made you feel like that. It helps you identify your triggers. So um, in my personal opinion, I find that The best form of mental hygiene is to get to know yourself. What triggers you to feel anxious, to feel depressed, to feel angry? Um, What do you need from yourself or from others when you're in that kind of space? And what can you do to help yourself? You know, I'm grown. I'm 27 years old and I bought one of those adult coloring books and it gives me life. To sit down, drink some hot tea, and color. It gives me a chance to decompress. I think about things that I'm worried about. I kind of mull over issues and thoughts that have been rolling around in my head for a few days. And when I'm done, I feel great. You know, I have a lot more clarity. And I just feel a lot less stressed. So... All I can ask of you this week is to just kind of sit with yourself, get to know yourself, um, find a stress management tip that works for you, whether it's coloring, working out, sleeping, taking hot showers, doing your nails. Girl, the list goes on and on. So, um, oh, before we go into the interview, I have to talk about the amazing Brene Brown. Outside of Jeanette, my therapist, Brene like saved my life. Her um, vulnerability talk and she had another TED talk. Both of them brought me to tears. They just like transformed my life. Her books are amazing. Um, Just everything she does is amazing. I feel like Oprah just... She just finds the most amazing people and she drops them in our laps and then our lives are never the same and we're just better people for it. So go and find Brene Brown, Google Brene Brown TED Talk, listen to both TED Talks, get you some tissues and tweet me when it's over so we can just vibe on the amazing juju and energy that Brene gives all of us. So I think I'm done yapping. Let's head on over and get to know Ashley Freeman. Actually, before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that there are pieces in the conversation where um, the signal gets a little weird and um, Ashley is kind of going in and out, but it's only for small pieces. So just power through and um, enjoy the rest of the episode. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. 
Hi, Ashley. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for being on the show tonight. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. You were like, when I was thinking of a list of people that I wanted to have on, I definitely had to chat with you because your platform and all that you stand for is so important. And I I just had to have you on. Oh, well, thank you. It's so cool. It's so funny. Like, talking to people on Twitter and then like really talking to them on the phone. I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're like girlfriends. <laughs> exactly. Oh, good. So for those of you who don't know, Ashley Freeman is the awesome person behind um, the Twitter account. Don't die afraid. And she does a lot of um, weekly mental health check-ins that I'm a part of and really appreciate Um, because it gives us time to kind of like slow down and kind of think, you know, how am I doing today or doing this week? So I definitely appreciate those. Um, So why don't we start out with talking about your wellness and mental health journey and what started you to create Don't Die Afraid? Gotcha. Um, So my wellness and mental health journey started I guess, like, years ago, like, when I was really, really young, um, because my Nana raised me, and when I was born, she was 72 years old, and, like, Mm. people don't even want to have children after 30, like, imagine (laughs) having to raise a child at, like, 72, Um, so she raised me because both of my parents were substance users, Mm -hmm. um, and I, she, you know, gave me everything that I wanted and more, but I always felt a void because I was always around people who had nuclear families. So they had both of their parents in the household mm-hmm. or at least just one. Um, and I would always be jealous of them. Like if I would go to their houses and like, you know, um, a girl, like I remember one of my best friends, she would argue with her mom and I'd be like, wow, like I wish I could even like have the opportunity to argue with my mom about something small. Right, right. Um, so I always felt like a void and a little jealous of the people around me. Um, but I never wanted my Nana to know that because because I didn't want her to think that she wasn't doing a good enough job. And she yeah. would approach me and she'd be like, oh, Ashley, like, do you want to go to therapy? Like, do you want to talk to someone about, you know, what's happening? You know, because your mm-hmm. life is different from other people. And I was like, no, like, you know, therapy is weird. And, <laughs> and I really thought that, you know, it would make her feel uncomfortable. Um, so I, I didn't take her up on her offer. Um, but I, when um, I got... Just yeah, really quick. Mm-hmm. How forward thinking of your Nana to suggest that, you know what I mean? Like, especially in the black community, we kind of shy away from therapy. And it's so awesome that, you know, she asked you that. Yeah. And I had no clue then because I literally was like, I don't know. It was before I even turned like 14. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, just, you know, therapy just seemed odd. And I I really didn't want her to feel insecure and inadequate about anything. Right. Um, So that's why, you know, I was like, no. Um, But now thinking back on it, you're right. That was really forward thinking, especially her being in like what, her 80s at mm-hmm. that time? Wow. You know, so that's definitely something taboo of her age group. Yeah. Because um, she was born in 1919, so I know nobody wow. was talking about therapy back then. Yeah, girl. Um, but she was just a, a very religious person, which is also interesting because a lot of religious people really yeah. don't want to talk about mental health exactly. at all. Exactly. It's like, just um, right away, Jesus will take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Exactly. So, yeah, I really didn't think about how forward thinking my Nana is. Yeah. She's amazing. She is. Um, <laughs> but um, I eventually went into group therapy mm-hmm. um, in high school because they had like a, a group therapy place for um, students whose parents were substance users. Um, so it was really cool because it was a community of all people like myself. Um, and I had never been in a situation where I was around people that could identify with the same struggles as myself. Um, so it, it really cultivated a great space for me. Um, and then after that, you know, I tried sharing with my friends what was going on, but they didn't understand it. Like, I remember telling my best friend, like, you know, I'm really depressed and I'm having suicidal thoughts. And her response was like, oh, like, I think my boyfriend's going to break up with me. And I was like, girl, uh, like, <laughs> we're on two different levels here. Like, right. I don't know if my mom's going to come home tonight. She's been missing for, like, two months. And you want to talk about boy problems? Like, right. you know. Um, but then I got older, and I realized it's just, like, not something that we talk about. It's not, you know, quote-unquote normal. People right. don't know what to say. Like, I'm 25 now, and I have conversations with people, and they still don't know what to say. So, of course, a 16-year-old wasn't yeah. going to know what to say to me. Um, but it took me a while to, to understand that, you know, cause I really held that against her. Um, but now as an adult, I'm like, wow, it's, it's mental health. Like no one knows how to talk about it. Right. Um, so yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. So, um, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Queens, New York. Um, and I spent the majority of my life there. Like I went to college there, Um, But then I recently moved to Virginia um, to get my master's in public health, like, back in 2014. And I just graduated in 2016. Oh, awesome. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Yay. Uh, What made you go into the public health piece? Is that, like, connected to the mental health piece? Um, (laughs) So it's funny because my undergrad degree is in broadcast journalism um so that's where like my love for my blog and youtube channel and editing and all of that comes in um and the reason why i got a master's in public health is because i'm actually a gates millennium scholar oh go girl yes academic excellence yes (laughs) um and for undergrad they'll pay for anything But for your master's, they'll only pay for certain concentrations. And public health was um, the one that I was most interested in. Um, So I took a year off after I graduated undergrad. I worked, saved up some money. And then I was like, okay, I researched what public health was because I honestly didn't even know what it was. uh, (laughs) And not many people do know what it is. Right. And I was like, okay, I can combine journalism and health I can do this and I found out about the health communications field so that's what I'm pursuing now full-time so yeah it just it was my MPH I um, fell in love with mental health awesome cool so health communications you'll be that's that's actually a really good combination of your journalism background and public health 
Yes, yeah, because so many people in the health field, you know, they throw around big words that mm-hmm. confuse people. And, you know, like when Zika happened, people are like, oh, like I'm afraid to go outside. Ebola happened. Oh, I'm afraid to go outside. And it's like, no, that's not quite it. <laughs> right. So we need people who can communicate that effectively and in a fun way uh, and also realize that this communication needs to be in other languages than English. You know, Absolutely. we have to look at, you know, everyone that's in our country and be able to cater to them because they also need this information as well. That is so good. I love it. So um, Don't Die Afraid, that is the name of your blog. Yep, that's it. Cool. I was going for something that was um, memorable. So when I meet people, they're like, oh, Okay. And I'm like, yeah, it makes you go look it up, right? Right, right. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so um, what exactly do you cover in your blog? So I focus, I say that I'm an inspirational blogger mm-hmm. and not a lot of people know about that niche or are familiar with it. Yeah. And basically I love talking about my personal experiences and how I've overcome certain situations situations and hopes that it can help other people overcome certain situations that they're going through as well. Uh, so I like to, you know, say that my blog is not just about me and what I'm going through. It's figuring out how can I help others. So whether that means me talking about how I found confidence through my natural hair or whether that's me talking about having to deal with my Nana's dementia and dealing with a nursing home, which is a um, very stressful process. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, the, the topics range, uh, but they all, I, I want people to walk away feeling either empowered or educated or entertained by my content. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that a lot of people when they hear mental health, they immediately think of, you know, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, um, and all of the like major, not to say that anxiety and depression aren't major, but some of the most um, notable and really kind of signature um, psychiatric disorders. Mm -hmm. But the truth is mental health does include anxiety, does include depression, and um, it's so much bigger than the typical diseases that we think about. So um, given that, how do you feel, what do you feel is the biggest mental health issue that has affected you and like our age group, millennials? I would say depression. And the reason why I say that is because, like you said, people don't even realize that that's mental health. They think like, oh, I'm sad, or they'll use the word depressed really loosely Mm -hmm. and not think that that's an issue or something that they should talk to someone about. Um, They just want to believe that that's a part of their lives. And I've read a lot of articles saying, you know, a lot of people, especially in black communities, feel like depression is a part of life. And yeah, Yeah. it's true to an extent where 
yes, there are going to be high days and low days. But when your low days are consistently happening day after day and they're starting to prevent you from doing things that you can normally do, right. you know, normal right. functions of life, that is something deeper, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And, and I feel like that's why it's so important. It's because it's the ones that we overlook. Because if you're bipolar, you know, then hopefully you'll be open to getting help. If, right. you know, you have schizophrenia, hopefully you'll be open to help. But when you're depressed, it's like, no, this is just my life. I'm depressed. Yes. Especially yes. with millennials because of social media and the the comparisons that we do. You know, it's like, yes. well, this person's over here doing this. Now I'm depressed because I don't feel like I'm in a space in life where I should be because I see this person on a beach or mm -hmm. I see this person, you know. All right, you know, we got cut off for a quick second, technical difficulties, but we back. And that's all that matters. <laughs> it's all that matters. So you, uh, when we left, you were preaching that word about um, comparison and social media. So please continue. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's why I think depression is so overlooked because we don't even realize when we're going through it. Um, if you're on social media 24-7 and you're comparing your life to someone else's highlight reel yeah. and that makes you feel some type of way, then yeah, you might be depressed. Or if you just graduated and you don't have a job yet, Girl. you know, and you see other people with a job and you're the sad for weeks at a time, <laughs> you might be depressed. Just a smidge, you know? You know? Just, just a smidge. <laughs> uh, and I feel like we, we don't seek help for that because it seems so accepted to us. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would even throw in anxiety um, yes. because <laughs> even though I have dealt with depression, specifically, I guess the year was 2014. That was like a really rough year for me because I was in Chicago, I was in graduate school, I had actually realized that I no longer wanted to be in graduate school. And so I was battling with, you know, trying to decide, do I wanna stay and get this PhD or do I wanna leave with my master's? But then if I leave with my master's, what am I going to do? Does that mean I'm a failure? Like all of this other mm -hmm. stuff. And um, my boyfriend, now husband, we were also going through our own like growing pains. Mm -hmm. And I, I was even, there was even a point where I had like suicidal thoughts. And that's when I was like, okay, school gives me these free therapy sessions. So I'm just going to go. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I need to get my life together. Um, so, you know, I went and I talked to her and her name was Jeanette and she was amazing. And she really helped me really learn about self-compassion mm -hmm. and self-hate because I really didn't consider myself, you know, dealing with or being someone who dealt with self-hate, you know? I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, I love myself. I am great. I'm fabulous. <laughs> but <laughs> but you wouldn't know that if you heard the things that I was saying to myself, you know, to my, mm. my inner conversation. You wouldn't know yeah. that. And there was a point in therapy where she was like, okay, 
if someone talked to your child the way that you talk to yourself, how would that make you feel? And I was like, girl, somebody would be catching <laughs> somebody would be catching these hands if you talk to my baby like that, like that. <laughs> and she's like, okay, so why does that make it okay for you to do that to yourself? You know, exactly. And that really kind of opened my eye to all that is mental health, anxiety, self-love, self-compassion, all of that. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I love about you and your platform is the weekly mental health check-in. And <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's so nice to have someone like you, that you haven't even met yet. And <laughs> they're just tweeting you like, hey, how you doing? How are you feeling? <laughs> and you actually get to kind of sit back and say, you know. I'm feeling some type of way today or, you know, I'm actually, today is actually a good day. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what made you start that? I, (laughs) it's so funny when people are receptive to things and people get excited about things (laughs) because it's like at the end of the day, I started all this stuff for myself. I started mental health (laughs) check-ins because I was like, okay, I'm feeling this type of way and no one's checking in with me, there has to be other people out there who need someone to check in with them as well. Like, let's, let's try this. And I wish I would, I mean, I can scroll back in my tweets and figure out like what day I started. Um, but I I literally, I remember sitting in the dentist's office and I hate the dentist and literally sending out, (laughs) yes, the dentist, oh, the worst Mm. and sending out (laughs) a series of like 10 tweets because I thought about like these uh, weekly check-ins for a while. And I was like, Ashley, you just need to do things because I have all these great ideas, but I'm always afraid to execute them. I was like, Ashley, today is the day you're going to do this. (laughs) So I was like, but I have like, what, I don't know, 500 followers. Like who's going to care? No one's going to care. So I'm sitting in the dentist's office waiting to be called. And I send out 10 tweets that, you know, explain step-by-step exactly what I want this to look like. And then my last tweet was like, RT and share this. And a bunch of people started retweeting it. And a bunch of people that didn't even follow me started responding. And I was like, oh, oh awesome. so, <laughs> so I'm not the only one. Okay, this is cool. And then after after I found that there were other people, you know, that felt this way, it grew and grew and grew every week. And I was like, okay, I need to get more organized. So I started an Excel spreadsheet and I have like everyone's name there. And then, um, I have a, a column for every week and I like color code it when I send people a tweet because sometimes it's impossible to send like 40 people these tweets because I try to make it specific to what they told me the week before and checking in with them and stuff like that so I color code it to make sure okay like I checked in with Sarah this week you know if I can't check in with her next week like at least I know I checked in with her you know on this date um so I'm really like um I don't want to say anal about it but (laughs) specific in particular about it because I, I really grew this this cool, tight-knit community around it. And it's so interesting that people are so transparent and truthful. Like, people literally yeah. tweet me back and, like, yeah, my day sucks and it's rough <laughs> out here, girl. And I'm like, wow, like, you're telling this to a complete stranger. I have people in 
South Africa, and it, it was just like oh, cool. so dope. It it grew to be bigger than I ever thought it would be. I think honestly, talking to a stranger makes it kind of easier, you know, because they really don't know your life like that, and they're not they're mm-hmm. not going to judge you. And on top of that, there's someone who's going through it at the same time anyway, so they they like feel the struggle. Exactly. But I really yeah. appreciate it. As a matter of fact, I you should think about creating a Twitter chat. Like a weekly mental health check-in Twitter chat. That would be pretty cool. Yes. I thought about that, but I was like, what would be a good time? And it's all about timing. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, Because I know, like, some people work full-time, some people don't. And it's just like, I don't know when's good. And now um, Queen Sugar comes on on Wednesday Girl, (laughs) um, (laughs) I'm glad you said that because Queen Sugar and Atlanta comes on. So, you know, I'm going to have to postpone that. (laughs) Okay, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, and then you can't do Thursday because, like, Grey's Anatomy is about to come back on. Yeah, it's just it's rough. Yeah, it's, it's real rough. rough. In the streets. But it's okay. I still appreciate <laughs> the tweets. <laughs> so um, talk to us more about your black mental health makeover. Did I get that right? Yes. <laughs> hey, okay, good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, talk to us about that. I know that you said that the mental health check-ins kind of fall under that same umbrella. Mm-hmm. But what's like the overall beauty of it? Gotcha. So that I started exactly almost a year ago. Um, it was in the end of October, um, and it started once again. I had a great idea. <laughs> this <laughs> this great idea. And I was holding off on it for a really long time. I was like, I really want to talk about mental health. I really want to talk about mental health. I had just went to a conference on mental health that was hosted by the National Council on Behavioral Health. And let's say the room had a thousand people in it, probably more or less. And there was a part where uh, we had to stand up for a break. And I stood up. And I looked around the room and I was like, I could literally count how many people of color. And that means any color. So I'm counting Asian, Latino, any color there is and on two hands. So if there's a thousand people in the room and there's only 10 people of color, there's an issue here. And these people were from all over the country, from different behavioral health organizations. And it was just really disheartening because Mm -hmm. it's not that people of color don't deal with mental health or mental illness at all. It's just that we're not out there in the community voicing it as, um, you know, our other counterparts. And I was like, okay, this, this something needs to change here. This this is a problem (laughs) Uh, because these people, they were also lobbying on the Hill the next day. It was their Hill day. And, you know, day one was a conference in a hotel. And then day two was when they actually were able to go to their Congress people and talk about laws that they want implemented. And I'm like, okay, well, these laws that you're implementing, they're for everyone with mental illness. And it's like, well, people of color need to be at the table to, yes. to voice their opinions because, yes, a bill on mental illness for a white person and a black person looks similar, but they aren't 100% the same. Yes. So if you have a bill that says, 
I can walk into, you know, a community center and get, I don't know, therapy for free because I don't have insurance, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say that's a bill that they were proposing. It's not, but I can't remember the bills because it was a year ago. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So saying that, yeah, technically that helps everyone that wants to walk into that community center. But we know that in communities of color, you aren't going to walk into that community center because you need something to get you there. And that, that's the thing. We don't even get there because we're not at home talking to our families about, about these issues. We're not talking to our friends about these issues. So how are we going to even get to the center to get this free treatment? It, it's not going to exist. And it's like you need to go into the community. So maybe we need to be, you know, at the table saying like, hey, this is a great bill. But can we also get some funding to reach out into community centers, to churches, to barbershops, to places where people of color are and do frequent and, you know, might be comfortable talking about this situation um, because them just walking into a community health center is not it. (laughs) You need to figure out the steps before that. Um, So I was like, you know, how can I get more people of color here at this table? And, And that's really what spurred it. I love it. And, you know, um, yeah, I'm just going to keep it real, keep it funky. Uh, I am a firm believer that our people are, we definitely deal with generational trauma. Like the trauma that our ancestors went through during slavery and even post-slavery reconstruction, civil rights movement, all of that, like all of that has trickled down into even our DNA. Like I obviously we know that stress and trauma affects us on a DNA molecular level. And so if you think about it, all of those molecular changes were passed down from generation to generation. And there's so much trauma within our community that it 100% affects us today. Exactly. Regardless of what some people, you know, would like to believe, but that's neither here nor there. We're not going to go there today. But <laughs> but that's even more reason, you know, why we need to have this conversation with our community. Exactly. Yeah, I I have a very close friend um that feels, you know, I can't go get help for mental health because one, I'm already black in America, so that's already... I'm um, black man, let me oh, say that. Okay. I'm black man <laughs> in America. So I already have two strikes against me. And I've literally... I had a woman write that comment um, on my blog post saying, you know, well, I'm black in America. I can't have anything else against me. Yeah, and I'm yeah. just like, I get that. I get that. Every Everyone should be able to get that because we look on TV and we see what happens to black people in America. Yes. And I get it. You you can't have something else on your resume that disqualifies you. Right. But us not getting that help, where does that leave us? That leaves us dead, you yep. know, because some people will commit suicide because they didn't get the help that they needed. Absolutely. And it's like, is it really worth it? You know, I, and the person that... I'm talking about that so close to me. Um, he's pursuing a government job. Like, he has a government job now. And he's like, you know, they, they do background checks. They they do lie detector checks. Like, I, I can't. Like, I, I yeah. just can't do this. And it's just like, I get that. But you're essentially 
choosing a job over your life because you're going to live the rest of your life without therapy, without this situation getting addressed. It's like, it's not going to go away. I feel like sometimes we feel like, oh, like if I just ignore this cut, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it'll eventually like heal. And it's like, you know, sometimes that works, but with small cuts, but not with something that's happening in your brain. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And it's bigger than that. (laughs) I think also a lot of people don't know what therapy entails so mm-hmm. they automatically think like oh they're gonna put me on prescription medication and she's gonna think I'm crazy and they're gonna like lock me up but no number one you have like therapist client privilege like unless you were gonna hurt yourself or someone else she's not gonna tell he or she is not gonna tell your business second of all um it's so, at least for me, I mean, the first few sessions were rough. There was a lot of crying, a lot of tears, but <laughs> it's so nice to sit down and talk to someone who is not going to judge me. You know, she's going to give me really good advice. She's going to listen to me and kind of help me navigate the waters of life. And mm-hmm. that's why, you know, I'm such a huge pro- supporter of therapy and even though it's really expensive it's really expensive but if you go to school part of your tuition dollars go to therapy for you to go and see a therapist at your school make use of those coins exactly that's why I tell people I'm like this school is using you for you know um data saying oh we have this many black students here you better use the school too okay all these resources <laughs> okay because when you get done you will have to pay sally may and uncle sam <laughs> back so you might exactly. as well get your money's worth <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and you know the more i talk to people they are like you know what Some of them will say, oh, you know, I I think I'm going to go talk to a therapist. And others are like, oh, I'm going to go jump back in because, you know, I stopped for whatever reason. And that makes me feel so good because it's something that we need so bad. Mm -hmm. And I don't want people to be afraid of the pain because Mm -hmm. I had one of my best friends who was like, oh, I can't talk about this. It's so hard to talk about. I don't even want to think about it. But if you want your life to change, if you want things to get better, you're going to have to reopen those wounds and clean them out so they can heal properly. Exactly. And you're going to make it. It's not not like you're going to go to therapy and open up all these wounds and she's just going to say, okay, bye. See you later. Like <laughs> She's going to give you, he or she is going to give you tips to, you know, hold yourself together until the next session. Exactly. Yeah, I wish um, that I've been able to have one-on-one therapy. All I have so far was group therapy. But, you know, when I get this job, girl, I'm girl. using those benefits. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Please do. And that's another... Um, podcast that I want to have I want to have like an insurance specialist come and talk oh yes so we can talk about like what's covered what's not covered so 
Yeah. But um, yes, girl, when you get that good job, go ahead and see that therapist. <laughs> like one-on-one therapy is so awesome. Like I've never done group therapy, mm-hmm. but I, I'm just like, yes, one-on-one therapy, do it. Be great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, I feel like there was something else. I lost my train of thought. It was something good, too. But whatever, it'll come back. While I'm waiting for that magical thought to come back, what I like to ask my guests is that they provide us with three tips on how we can, or three steps that we can take today to start making improvements in our life. So what are three tips that young millennials and young black millennials can take to take control of their mental health and really practice good mental hygiene? Okay. So the first I would say is get to know yourself. So that's very, it seems very like, oh, well, I know myself. Like, it seems like really simple. Like, yeah, I know myself. And it's like, okay, so then go buy a self-help book that has different questions about yourself and then come back and tell me that you know yourself because (laughs) I have a book that says it's titled start where you are. And it asks some really deep questions that I've never really thought about. And it's, it's, um, well, the first chapter was all about vulnerability Mm -hmm. and different questions around, you know, like what makes you comfortable? What makes you uncomfortable? Um, and then putting yourself in different scenarios. And I was like, oh, I like this. Right. Um, it, was a, it was a birthday gift um, from my old boss. And I was just blown away by just the first chapter. And I was like, you know what? This takes a lot of thought. I need to put this down, <laughs> revisit it when I'm in a better place. Right. Um, but I really think books and journals that ask questions are super helpful to just help you think about, you know, if I were in this situation, how would I feel? How does that make me feel? Because we think about a lot of things that are on the surface level. Yeah. But like you said, there's a lot of trauma deep down inside that, that we don't think about, you know, that that just we gloss over. And it's so true. You hear this in psychology classes that the way you're raised has such a huge impact on the thoughts that you have and th- your actions and we don't think about it because it, it comes to us just like that. Like, you know, the way you act, it just comes to you. But do yeah. you ever sit and think like, oh, well, why do I have trust issues? You know, it took me until I was older to realize like, oh, I have trust issues because, you know, in society, the first person you're able to trust is supposed to be your parents, specifically your mother. Yeah. And if I couldn't trust my mother then I can't trust anyone. But I never thought of that as a kid. I never thought like, oh, I can't trust my mom. I can't trust anyone. I just had trust issues. I just didn't know if people were really going to say that they were there for me, um, will be there when they say they would be. Because my mom, she would tell me that she would be places and she wasn't. And it took me a while to connect those dots. And it seems really straightforward, but it's, it's things that I still hold on to 25 years later. And it's like, let go of that. You know, every situation isn't like your mother's situation. And you have to be able to walk into every relationship, you know, open and vulnerable. So I really would like people to get to know themselves. So pick up a book. If you want to pick up Start Where You Are, I think that's a great book to start with. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and really go through those exercises. Or even if you don't want to purchase anything, you can go online and find different self-help questions and journeys like that. Yeah. So that Perfect. would be tip one. Um, because that also helps you set up boundaries. And boundaries are really important in mental health. Definitely. And then two, I would say develop some coping skills. I was talking to a friend the other day and I was like, so what are your coping skills? Like, what do you like to do, you know, when you're sad or when you're stressed? And he couldn't answer me. Mm. He really couldn't answer me. And I'm just like, oh, well, that's interesting. (laughs) And I like threw out some things and he was like, no, like, I don't really like doing any of those things. I'm like, well, what do you do? And he couldn't answer me. And I was like, okay, so your homework is to go find three (laughs) coping skills. So those could be little things like um, mine are coloring. These adult coloring books, they are like heaven. (laughs) They are. Like I was on the flight here to San Diego. Um, I had mine out and my husband was like, really? really (laughs) what you're not gonna do is judge me that's what you're not gonna do (laughs) so yes and seriously y'all like dollar tree i got mine from a store called five below so if one is in your city yes we have five below too that store is very problematic for my bank account (laughs) but you can go and get one from dollar tree or like five below with some colored pencils or some markers exactly so and and realize that coping and self-care coping if you don't want to call it coping you could call it self-care because they're basically the same thing um (laughs) coping kind of comes after you know you already have an issue self-care is to prevent you from even getting that far um but that could look like basketball at the park with your little cousin it could literally be anything that brings you joy that you feel like you're feeding your soul because so many times you know we run throughout the day so we're running for our boss or for our professor or for our family members, but it's like, what do we do that's solely for ourselves? And it doesn't have to be alone, because sometimes, you know, I read articles about self-care, and it's all about alone, alone, alone. And it's like, some people actually get a lot of energy from other people. You know, there are extroverts who feed off of other people's energy, and, you know, that shouldn't be knocked. If your self-care is going to the spa with your friends instead of alone, then you go ahead and do that. You know, whatever makes you feel like you are the queen or king of the world is what you should know to do and have three of those things so you can go to them at any time. Awesome. Love it. What are some of your (laughs) coping mechanisms or skills? So definitely those coloring books. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I really like painting my nails. Um, It's just... I don't know. It's just therapeutic to me um, because I have a whole bunch of different colors. And I'm like, OK, Ashley, like what colors are we going to do today? Right. <laughs> and I also like painting other people's nails, like not random people, but my <laughs> Nana, like my grandmother. I like go to her nursing home and I paint her nails. And then I have a neighbor who's in her 90s and I like paint her nails. Oh, and like she so tells sweet. me about her life. And it's just like really cute. And I want to like <laughs> start a business where like I get people and we go around and paint the nails of like elderly women. It's just like this weird dream that, that I is, have for myself. <laughs> no, seriously, that is an awesome idea. Because 
I feel like it's needed. Like, they want to yeah. feel beautiful, too. And they want to have someone to talk to. It kills, like, all these birds with one stone. Exactly. And I just think it would be great. That would be so, awesome. Yeah. You should do that. I would totally support. <laughs> um, yeah, um, and eating. Eating eating is self-care. Mm. I eat healthy, okay, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, for the most part. But frozen yogurt? my guilty pleasure so yeah after a rough day I used to have rough days like when I was getting my master's and I'd be like you know what we're gonna go get some frozen yogurt and all is gonna be right with the world (laughs) yep yep exactly let's see mine uh is journaling and the coloring and I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing but my other one is wine Girl, yeah. me too. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like when I was in Chicago, the Target a matter of fact, if any of my listeners live in Chicago, go to Uptown, the Target on Wilson Street. They have barefoot they used to have barefoot wine for three dollars. Three dollars? Three dollars. Girl. I used to love when that $3 sale came because I'm like, okay, you can give me five of those things. I'll I'll just take all of them. (laughs) But wine, like if I'm having a really frazzled day Mm -hmm. to avoid me like eating bad stuff, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take a hot shower, which is my other thing. A hot shower and a glass of wine. Yes. And it's so funny because... Whenever I, like, storm off and I hop in the shower, my husband is like, oh, hell. Here comes the wine. <laughs> right. Let me just go ahead and prepare, prepare this for her. That's, that's right. That's cute. He knows you. He understands. <laughs> right. And he's also like, yeah, I don't need those problems, so I'm just going to. Here you go. <laughs> And yeah, they there's so many articles about how like millennials and wine, it's like our thing. Yeah, I read that too. I read that too. And it's we get so much flack from the older generations and I just I just don't even understand why. First off, why the judgment because <laughs> you guys raised us, first off. <laughs> first off. And then second, it's like okay, most of us don't do hard drugs. We just like wine. <laughs> we just like wine. That's it. Right. We're not abusing the wine. It's a glass of wine. We're not addicted. It's once right. in a while. And Why y'all coming for us and our wine? Right. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, first off, someone ruined the economy, so we can't even have good jobs, and we have more <laughs> debt than we have income. So a little wine helps us make it through the day. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> So yes, we'll we'll continue. So what's the third? Um, you have one more, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Your so third tip. my third tip would be building a support system. Mm-hmm. Whether that's one person, two people, three people, how many ever you want, but just having someone else that you can. <clears throat> you know, bounce ideas off of, um, even if you don't want it to be a person that you, you know, fully vent to have it be a person that you can, you know, escape with, have it be a person that you can call and, you know, you'll know that you'll get a good laugh out of them 
or mm-hmm. they'll they'll be able to distract you for an hour, whatever the case may be. Or you can call them up and be like, hey, girl, like, you want to go to the mall or, like, you know, or to the spa or wherever it is or to go play basketball. Yeah. You know, just have at least one person that you can run to um, because I feel like a lot of times we feel alone and isolated yeah. and and that's when we can run into our deepest depressions when we feel like no one understands us no one can help us out of this it's just us against the world and that's a really heavy weight to be carrying when you feel like you know all all everything that we see in the news like we're just like oh again and again and again who can I turn to um so so being able to turn to a person or if you're a spiritual person being able to turn to a higher power that's a part of a support system as well you know I feel like the reason why I can go and go and go (laughs) is because of my faith. And I'm just like, you know, like I was raised and got through so much. It's just like everything that happens now. Yeah, it sucks, but like, I'll get through it. Like God got me through that other stuff. Like I'll be all right. (laughs) Listen, my friends will tell you my favorite phrase to say is Jesus, take the wheel. Cause I just can't right now. Like I'm done. You just going to have to take the wheel father. Exactly. And, and get it together. Yeah, I told that's such great advice. And I think that that tip really aligns well with the thought of quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. So you really want just a handful of really high quality people that you can call on and rely on rather than having a big group of friends, 20 to 30 people. But when you're in need, no one's there for you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Who's um in your support system? Like, how many people do you have? I have my boyfriend. Um, he's a really great um support system, and I have my best friend. But she is about <laughs> to have a baby. Um, Aww. so <laughs> uh, she's gonna have to be that baby support system. Right. So I'm like, girl. I'm going to just uh, call on the Lord before I call on you <laughs> because you got a lot on your hands. Um, right. And um, I have a handful of sorority sisters that I can call on. Like, I was in New York two weeks ago, and I couldn't go to my house because there was a lot happening there. Um, right. And it reminded me of, like, why I left New York. Yeah. So I was like, I really need to be in New York, though, because I had a doctor's appointment. There was a lot of health issues going on and I called in a sorority sister and she was like yeah you can stay at my house for a week like a week is a really long time yeah (laughs) like it might not seem long but when you have someone on your couch and it's impeding (laughs) on your life that's a really long time it really is um so just having people you know all around me that believe in me um I have an accountability group uh that I meet with every other Monday that keep me on track um Mm -hmm. my mentor um, the creator of Food Before Love, like she is always in my behind when it comes to my blog stuff yeah. and my event stuff. And even though it's annoying at the moment because I'm like, oh, here she goes, here she goes, here she goes. <laughs> right, I'm just like, this is exactly. All my edges. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's like, this is exactly what I need, you know? Yeah, and yeah. everything that she says makes sense. And I'm like, well, dang, I should have thought of that first. <laughs> I should have told you that. Uh, so just having people that, that believe in me, I really, really appreciate that. 
That's and of course, my resilient family on yeah. Twitter um, and our mental health check-ins, um, having people ask me how I'm doing, too, after I ask them how they're doing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, y'all care about me, too. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah we do. We do. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, I have my husband, who's really awesome. And my, I think my number one go-to person is my mom. Aww. Yeah, she's like my bestest friend ever. And I I really hope that I'm as much or as awesome of a mom as she is because we, I don't know, I don't know some people might think it's weird, but like we talk about everything. Mm-hmm. Like even some stuff where... Most people are like, girl, did you Why really did you ask your mama that? Right? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I had a question. That's what she's for. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I have, I'm blessed with a really awesome support system, including sweet baby Jesus. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, um, unless, unless you have any more goodies to share with us, we can wrap up and tell people where they can find you on the internet and on social media yes um so yeah though i think i all my nuggets have been shared (laughs) all my (laughs) nuggets of wisdom have been shared um and people can find me at don't die afraid everywhere so it's real simple um it's d-o-n-t-d-i-e-a-f R-A-I-D. Um, it sounds really straightforward, but people ask me, is there an apostrophe? I'm like, you can't put an apostrophe <laughs> in an at name. Like, you come can't. on, dude. Um, so, All the yeah. side eye, like, bro. <laughs> right? Um, so it's <laughs> don'tdieafraid.com and on Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter. If you would yeah. love to join our mental health check-ins, um, we would love to have you just at me and be like, hey, like, I'm going to be in the mental health check-ins. Yeah. Um, and I'm also very active on Instagram and YouTube. I love video editing. That's actually really therapeutic to me, Ooh. even though it's, like, stressful. But, like, the end result, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's beautiful. That that edit <laughs> is really that. cool. And I did that. Yes. Right. Like, that satisfaction of like seeing something that you did is just awesome. Um, and if anyone's in the DC area, I'm hosting a mental health event on October 22nd. It's called let's get uncomfortable mental health makeover. So yeah, you could find more information about that at don'tdieafraid.com as well. Fantastic. And guys in the show notes, I will have all of her links there, including Um, A little blurb about her event on October 22nd in D.C. So all my D.C. people, you know, (laughs) make sure you go and tell me how it was. I'll be there in spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ashley, it was so, like, it's always fun when I talk to you. So, yes, likewise. Yes, we do. We need mental health check-ins on the phone now. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but you're going to be starting school and you're going to be busy. But that's even more reason why I need that. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You have a good point. <laughs> exactly. So, yes, we will definitely set that up. Yay! Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for having me. Always, always. I'll talk soon. Okay, bye. Bye. 
All right. And episode three is a wrap. I laughed so much during that that interview. Ashley just she's amazing to talk to. She's so funny. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys um, took notes and took a lot from it. Let me know if you're going to go out and buy a coloring book and tweet me or take a picture on Instagram and tag me so I can see your beautiful creations while you're coping with all the drama in life. Um, If any of you are in the DMV area, um, I just wanted to remind you guys of Ashley's event It is on Saturday, October 22nd. It's called Let's Get Uncomfortable. It's a mental health makeover that's going to be held at the Silver Spring um, Civic Center. Um, You can buy the tickets on Eventbrite if you search Let's Get Uncomfortable. The tickets um, begin at $19 and go as high as $33. So um, by the time this episode comes out, you guys will have some time to grab it. Um, I obviously won't be there, but I will be there in spirit. I know it'll be such a great time, such an educational experience. And um, I hope you guys actually go and enjoy yourself. So next week, we will be chatting with Courtney Bentley. She is a um, fitness maven. She's amazing. She gave us some really awesome tips on how to get our morning routines together, how to make a yummy and delicious green smoothie in the morning. And she even put me on Costco for um, like organic and healthy food. Like I never would have thought to buy that kind of stuff from Costco. So I think you guys are going to love um, hearing from her. And on top of that, I'm going to throw in a solo episode. So um, this may change because, you know, I might change my mind. But I'm thinking about talking about how I manage my time as a blogger and a podcaster. Um, I'm also a freelance writer I'm a part of a ad agency that um, I partner with with one of my good friends. And, of course, I'm a med student, so um, I get a lot of questions on how on earth do I balance all of this and, you know, still manage to have time for myself and for my family. So I think that would be a really great topic to cover. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And I will catch you next time on the Millennial Wellness Podcast. Take care.